Coming up on Podcast 1871, the adorable Micronino, the retro mini EV, and China's EV tax breaks. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Welcome to a new Patreon executive producer, Ian Benjamin, or to give him his full name as he signed up, Ian Stillwaters UK Benjamin. Ian, thank you very much for being a supporter already, actually. It's a long story. Uh, and now signing up to uh, my Patreon for EV News Daily as an executive producer. The fancy level. Put your name in the show notes. You can find that online at evnewsdaily.com. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Saturday, the 22nd of July. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with the Micro Lino, the charming four-wheeled EV, now available to my listeners in France, adding to their growing European market. The Micro Lino is technically an L7e quadricycle. It's a pint-sized vehicle, perfect for city driving. This is the one where the whole front of the car opens up. It's a side-opening, side-hinged door, soft-closed door. I'm going to slam the thing. It all closes itself. But uh, uh, yeah, the whole front of the car opens up and you step into the car from the front. Well, it's not a car. It's a quadricycle. Uh, the founder of Microlino ex- expressed their excitement over the launch in France. It will be a big market, actually, in Europe, because the French are no strangers to, firstly, oddball cars, but also small electric quadricycles. The Citroën Ami is a popular choice in the city. Now, quadricycles are similar to the LSV category in the United States. They can reach high speeds in Europe. Of course, the Citroën Ami is 28 miles an hour, I believe. And also, these small vehicles are very cost-effective. You can pick up a used Citroën Ami, about a year old, a few miles. Maybe someone bought it for a a play uh, for about £6,500 now, which is still lots of money, I know. Uh, The Micro Lino, new... Starts at €18,000, so it's, you know, more expensive than a nice electric motorcycle, uh, but obviously cheaper than an EV. The vehicle has a top speed of 56 miles an hour, has a 12.5 kilowatt motor, and so this is an urban vehicle every day of the week. The bigger battery is 14 kilowatt hours, the smaller one, 10. It's about two and a half metres long, that's 8.2 feet, and it's just perfect for, you know, if you're driving around Paris or something like that, you can find a parking spot and drive straight into it, front on. It's not really a real car, but I've not driven the Micro Lino, but I've been around one when it's been stationary, and that was a couple of weeks ago, and they were saying that it's going to come to the UK market soon, as well, but couldn't give me an exact date on that. But it is automotive-grade construction, automotive components, steel and aluminium in a unibody construction. It doesn't feel like it would fold in an accident. I mean, there's not a lot around you, don't get me wrong. And uh, the uh, the company recently celebrated a 1,000 of them being made, which is great news. I love this little vehicle. It's, just, it's expensive for what it is. It's definitely a toy, but in urban centres... It does, you know, it will keep you, it'll move you around if interesting mobility is your thing. It will move you around warm, cool, and dry rather than riding a motorcycle. Now let's move on and talk about the new Mini Cooper Electric. So this car comes out next year and it's set to bring the iconic Mini a little more back to its roots. Now it won't be getting any smaller because that's the best thing about the iconic Mini was the car was genuinely Mini. The new minis are anything but but the design has been done in a way to try and trick the eye into thinking this is more like the original one 
more purposeful, more minimalistic. Um, the car's exterior has a wider track, shorter overhangs, a longer wheelbase now. And the interior is where I think all the magic happens. It's much more like the original Mini. So very minimalist cabin because they've been able to replace everything. And the Mini was always quite heavy on switch gear, but the switch gear was always cool and, and funky and interesting. But now everything goes into the touchscreen. But the touchscreen looks like the old school circular speedometer. All of the information's there. The gear selection, the electric range, the power meter, the nav, the media player. Temperature dials are off the screen, which is a good thing, uh, I think. And uh, there's a row of shortcuts, icons on the screen to get to those things that you want to use often. The traditional instrument cluster is now a head-up display. And there's also a little toggle bar. Uh, below the centre screen. So, you know, some switches, knobs for gear selection on and off. You shouldn't have to turn an EV on or off, by the way. And um, the drive modes and things like that. Some buttons on the steering wheel as well. It's smaller. And again, it's trying to bring back that original spirit of the Mini. I don't know if this works in a car that is so big and it's really Mini in name only. And it goes on sale in May 2024, at least for the European market. Maybe a little delayed. It's it's probably going to be a 2025 model year for the United States. It's not to 62 miles an hour in seven seconds. There's going to be a, a slightly warmer version in the SE. 215 horsepower and a John Cooper works you would think with that 250 horsepower a 40 kilowatt hour battery or a 54 kilowatt hour battery up to 300 miles range they say now let's talk about the Chinese version of the MG ZS EV a vehicle that I still own Ah, gotta sell this car um I really must sell mine we barely use it anymore and um you know because we it's we have a, a sort of a, a single width driveway. And so if uh, it, we have the two cars, the Kona and the MG on it, but whatever is blocking the other one in, we just tend to use the Kona at the moment. And uh, so, you know, the MG ZS is, my wife loves that vehicle. And it's it's a much bigger vehicle. I think, you know, the, it feels a bigger vehicle than you realise. So I understand why people like it so much. The new version as well, um, I think looks a, a, a little bit better than the version that I've got. And... It's now had its prices slashed in China, uh, 20,000 yuan, about 3,000 US dollars equivalent. Now, the price war in China's EV market is being fueled by a number of factors. There's government subsidies for EVs, there's increased competition, growing demand as well from the Chinese consumers. As more and more people in China become aware of the benefits of driving EV, the demand is, is still there and the incentives are still there. We'll talk more on a future podcast about that Um there's a story next as well about the tax exemption. But but the MG ZS EV is a vehicle that, again, Chinese domestic buyers want to buy in favour of the German brands that only a few years ago were the ones which were being preferred. So it's really tough for the likes of the, you know, the VWs and Audis and Mercedes. Some of those obviously you know, cars, not necessarily in MG's price bracket, but struggling because people are wanting to buy those domestic vehicles. Now, I mentioned a, bit, a, a moment ago about the increasing support or increased support continuing in China. Uh, two days ago, uh, the Chinese Fiscal Authority announced an extension of their new energy vehicle, which is what they call electric cars, purchase tax exemption. Now, the purchase tax exemption is going to continue to the end of 2027. So if you buy a car between January next year and the end of 2025, it is fully exempted from vehicle purchase tax. 
tax as an exemption up to about $4,000 equivalent, 30,000 RMB. If you buy a vehicle between Jan 26 and December 27, you get a 50% reduction on that vehicle purchase tax. But again, that could all change by the time we get to 2026. The tax exemption policy uh, for EVs in China was first floated or implemented, I think, around 2014 sometime. And it has just been so fabulously successful in making China the world's number one market for electric vehicles. This move can only go to help the domestic market there to bolster the Chinese EV market. And of course, for those cars that are either owned by Chinese makers, see MG before, or those that are made in China uh, to attract a Chinese buyer, the likes of Polestars, they're all made in China and many more as well. Uh, This is a good thing for the Chinese EV industry. And it's not just about electric vehicles. China's energy storage sector is having a boom right now. And it's not just now. Impressive planned capacity of over 19 gigawatts in newly published tenders for projects in the first five months of this year alone. It's almost a 100% increase in the same period last year. China will possess a total energy storage capacity of 97 gigawatts in just the next three years. The surge in energy storage in China can be chalked off, I think, to several factors. Lithium-ion battery technology is improving. It's reliable. It's efficient. It's very, very, very safe. Any problems you hear about because it is so safe. So if there is you know, one fire, which the Tesla one had in, in Australia and was fully self-contained, by the way, it does make the news. Um, the government policies, the Chinese government have implemented all those initiatives to support the new energy sector. The potential of energy storage, it's being recognised in China like it is around the world for grid stability. The EV market as well has driven the demand for interest in things like batteries and now energy storage and the manufacturing capabilities as well. You know, China's leadership in advanced manufacturing capabilities has contributed because those those batteries are also being made in China. Right. Stick around. Coming up, uh, we will talk a couple more stories on the podcast, a shorter one for Saturday's edition. Oh, birthday edition today. So, um. Uh, spending my birthday on Saturday uh, with the in-laws because it's my mother-in-law's 70th birthday this week. So I'm not doing anything for my personal birthday uh, because, hey, mums always come first, right? So, um, but yeah, yeah, my birthday today. So uh, it's a, a shorter version of the podcast as there's plenty uh, to uh, to get done over a birthday weekend, but still want to be here for you to do this podcast. Back in a second. Okay, let's do a couple more stories. First of all, Hertz, you know, the the big rental car giant, they're encouraging its customers to rent an EV, uh, offering discounted prices and free rental days throughout this summer in the United States. If you rent an EV for at least two days by September, you get a free rental day as well. There's a 30% discount on EV rentals as well. And Hertz announcing it has more than 50,000 EVs in their fleet. 10% of their fleet is now electric. It's amazing the speed they're moving over to electric vehicles. They want to increase that to 340,000 from 50,000 by 2027. Uh, They've got orders in for 100,000 Teslas, 65,000 Polestars, and 175,000 mixed EVs from General Motors. They have initiatives like Hertz Electrifies Orlando, bringing 
six and a half thousand of those EVs, and more importantly, fifty DC fast charging stations to the Florida city, and they're sharing their data from their EV fleet with city planners to help them decide where the infrastructure should go. They're also involved in high school projects as well and college community programs so that young people can get their hands on an EV and try them out as well. Hertz is trying to make the EV rental experience as smooth as possible. You rent an EV, you get this link emailed to you to an online EV guide. You can do all your research if you've never driven an electric vehicle before. And finally, I want to bring you this. It's the kind of story that I save up for the weekend. I think I maybe I found this on Tuesday, Wednesday this week, and I just stuck it in the file for a Saturday or Sunday show because, you know, often the weekday shows are a little more busy and it's full of car, sort of car stuff or, you know, Tesla will release some numbers or something. But I love stories like this when I've got a chance to talk with you about them. The Pacific Gas and Electric Company, PG&E, has introduced two new programmes one are called Empower EV and Multi-Family Housing and Small Business EV Charging. And they will enhance access to EVs and to infrastructure in underserved communities in California. These programs offer free EV charging and resources to cover the costs of installing chargers at single-family homes, multi-family homes, non-profits and small businesses in low-income communities within the PG&E area. A recent study by the California Energy Commission revealed that the high upfront costs of going to EV, also the lack of charging facilities for those renting and inadequate access to public charging stations in low-income areas are hurting EV adoption. The Empower program offers eligible customers up to $2,500 in incentives to cover the cost of putting in an EV charger at their residence. A free level two charger, about $500 value, also available to about 2,000 of those customers who most need it. To participate in the program, uh, it needs to be an income eligibility requirement that people meet. And multifamily housing and small business EV charging programs, the second part of what I was talking about, will install another 2,000 level one, level two EV chargers at non-profit small businesses in those communities that serve the poorer communities and those at the minute underserved by EVs. Customers, again, need to qualify, and the charging units will be installed at no cost to those property owners. This is is such a fantastic program. I love talking about these stories. I've got the freedom to do it on this show. And it's really important that we recognize that that is being done because the move to electric is going to happen quickly, and it'll happen for everybody. But there will be those potentially left behind because of the high costs involved. Uh, It's relative because the costs are coming down, but these kind of programs are so good because the communities that need this the most, the communities that need to reduce their transport costs, because you you and I know that running an EV is often cheaper, nearly always cheaper, significantly than running on combustion fuel. And yet those people that need to save their transport costs because they can't afford them, or the high Pump prices are those who are priced out of driving EV or putting in uh, charges. So I love, love stuff like this. It's such a brilliant bit of news. And we need to make sure everybody comes along for the ride. That's your podcast for today. Our premium partners are Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, which 
is being rebranded. I'll tell you about that very soon. Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.